Welcome to the latest in our Employment Conversations podcast series. Today, I'm joined by Sinead Kelly, an associate from our employment law team, and Raj Shah, a senior associate from our commercial team. Sinead and Raj will be discussing the increasing use of data subject access requests, also known as DSARs, in an employment context, and the steps that employers need to take to ensure that these requests are dealt with correctly, efficiently, and of course, within the law. To start with a really basic question, what is a subject access request and what are some of the recent developments around this? Raj, maybe I'll start with you. Hi, Darren. Uh, Well, a subject access request is so-called because a data subject is um, a living individual who has personal data that is being processed by an organisation. So, for example, if you're a business, um, your data subjects will typically be your customers um, and your employees. Employees and what data subjects, so those individuals have a right to, is a right to access their personal information that's being processed by the organization um, in question. So, personal data being information that can identify them, such as their name, um, address, uh, contact details, um, maybe certain special category data, such as health data, and so on. And what the GDPR does um, is give them a a right to access the personal data that the organisation holds about them at any time. Um, And this was a right that did exist before the GDPR existed under the old Data Protection Act. Um, But what's changed is that the old Data Protection Act used to require that people paid a a fee to access their data, whereas the GDPR has made that completely free. And because of all the publicity surrounding the GDPR, um, there's a lot of increased awareness amongst the public about their rights as data subjects. So since the GDPR came into effect, we're seeing far more subject access requests being made than was previously the case before the GDPR existed. Um, According to uh, the most recent annual report of the Information Commissioner, which is the regulator for data protection, in the uh, year 2020 to 2021, almost half of the complaints the Information Commissioner received were to do with issues surrounding subject access requests. Okay, thanks for that. So uh, under what circumstances might someone uh, be likely to make a a data subject access request? Sinead? Um, Well, in an employment context, A data subject access request is often made by employees when there's an ongoing dispute. So that could be in relation to a complaint or a grievance that they might have, or as is often the case, um, by an employee or former employee who is or might be considering bringing a claim against their employer. Um, An employee might make a subject access request as a way of trying to obtain documentation about themselves. So, for example, if they believe that there are certain documents, maybe emails or internal memos, which contain details about them and which therefore might be relevant to their complaint or claim. However, sometimes employees just make a subject access request as a tactical move. So that's often seen in litigation cases for two reasons. Firstly, the employee might be trying to get early disclosure of potentially relevant documents. And secondly, responding to a subject access request can be a really time consuming and costly process for the employer. So they, the employer might want to avoid it and it's therefore used by employees as a tactic to try and encourage early settlement of claims. 
Okay, so how uh, how is an access request made, and and what happens if I'm an organisation I've received one? What what should I do? Well, there's actually no formal requirements for making a subject access request, and a request could be made verbally or in writing. And although the organisation might have a data protection officer or someone who specifically handles those requests, there's no requirement for the request to be sent to that person in order for it to be valid. Guidance from the ICO is simply that it needs to be clear that the individual is seeking their own personal data, so not very specific. So it's important that organisations are really careful about what might constitute a subject access request. Uh, So when an organisation receives a subject access request, it's important that they note the date on which it was received because requests have to be responded to without undue delay. And that generally means within one month of receipt unless there are grounds to extend the response period. So the standard one month response period could be extended by up to a further two months in cases where the request is considered to be complex or if there are a number of requests which relate to personal data from the same individual. So that would give an employer three months in total to deal with the request. But if they do want to try and rely on an extended response period, they have to inform the employee that they're intending to do so within the first month of receipt of the request. In our experience in the employment team, it's not uncommon for employment subject access requests to be considered complex and therefore to be able to utilise the extended two-month period. That's generally because information relating to employees can be held in multiple locations and could be extensive, for example, if the employee's been employed for several years or has transferred through different departments or um, subsidiaries within a business. And it could also be that there might be hard copy documents and also electronic documents, as well as emails, which are all held by various users, and that could require quite a detailed search. However, our general advice is that whether or not a request is complex is very case-specific and needs to be determined as soon as possible after the request is made. It was mentioned that individuals can make DSARs in any format, but what happens if it's done orally or even to a staff member whose area isn't usually data protection or anything around this area? Um, so that's right, what Sinead said. The GDPR doesn't actually specify how subject access requests can be made. So they can happen over the phone to a customer facing representative or even on social media. So the obvious thing to do is to make sure that everyone in the organisation has training uh, to ensure that, first of all, they know what a subject access request is. And secondly, they're able to identify it when it is made because it can really look like anything from someone saying over the phone, um, what information do you hold on me to someone, you know, submitting a detailed email. And it doesn't matter what format it takes, but whenever that request is made, even if it's just orally, the clock uh, that starts ticking in terms of the timescale for responding to the request will start ticking from that date that the request is made. Um, One thing that could be introduced is to uh, include a subject access request form um, on an organization's website that can be linked to from um, a privacy policy because that's probably most likely where people are going to go and have a look if they want to make a subject access request and the idea is then you're encouraging them to submit 
uh, a request in writing so as to avoid a situation where they might ring up and make the request orally. But it's important to stress that you can't mandate that, um, you know, your customers or employees have to use the form. So you would need to say something like you don't have to use the form, but it will help us to deal with your request as quickly as a effectively as possible if you do and then the way the form could work is have certain fields that would help you to be able to categorize the nature of the request and help you to create an audit trail about your response to it okay so it's, it's possible that an employer could be holding a huge uh, amount of personal data on a, a particular individual so how do the uh, how does how wide does that search need to be for the the relevant personal data and what if someone keeps doing this uh, to in order to make trouble for an employer so the obligation to search for the data is only is limited to what is considered reasonable and proportionate so as such um, an organisation might have fully complied with its obligations, even if it's not managed to retrieve every single item of personal data within the scope of the request. There are actually some circumstances in which an employer could charge a fee for responding to a request or could even refuse to respond to the request at all. So those circumstances are if the request is considered to be either manifestly unfounded or excessive. And the ICO gives several examples of what might amount to a manifestly unfounded request, which includes, firstly, when the employee has no real intention of exercising their right of access. So if, for example, the employee makes clear that they will withdraw their request in exchange for some form of benefit, which the employer could give, uh, for example, a settlement payment, or another example of something of a request that might be manifestly unfounded would be when the request is made maliciously and is just being used to harass the employer. So it could be that an employee sends multiple very wide-reaching requests which are clearly intended just to disrupt the business or they might have made clear that the request is part of a personal grudge. The ICO guidance explains that a request will be manifestly excessive if it's clearly or obviously unreasonable taking account of the burden and costs involved in dealing with the request. However, that doesn't mean that just because the employee's request covers a lot of information, it will be excessive. It's very fact-specific and depends on a number of factors, including the employer's resources and whether a previous request for the same information has been made. Um, in either case, if an employer believes that the request is either manifestly unfounded or excessive, they should document the reasons why they've reached that conclusion in the event that it could be challenged by the employee. And the employer could then charge a reasonable fee for the administration costs of complying with the request or might decide to refuse to comply altogether. So I'm an employer. I've, I've had a request, a, a data subject access request. How, does, how do I need to provide that data? And is there anything exempt from, from that disclosure? Um, so the GDPR doesn't prescribe a set format for how the what, what how the response should be presented, although there is a recital at the beginning of the GDPR which says that where possible, organisations should be able to provide uh, remote access to a secure system which would provide data subjects with direct access to their personal data. But obviously, if you're a small business, you might not be able to implement that. Something we do generally recommend to clients, if they are able to, 
is to provide the data in a CSV file. A CSV stands for comma separated values, and it's basically the standard format for spreadsheet data. So the data is represented in a plain text file with each data row on a new line and commas separating uh, the values on each row. So because it's quite a simple open format, it's very easy to consume um, and it's widely used for publishing open data. And the advantage of doing it in this way is that organisations can also be seen to um, assist data subjects with their rights to data portability, um, which is uh, which is another right under the GDPR, which says that any electronically held data, um, you have to be able to provide to data subjects in a, in a portable format that they can reuse, um, for example, with another organization. So although the GDPR doesn't prescribe the format in which DSAR response has to be made in, it does say what the contents of the response should say. And that's all set out in Article 15 of the GDPR, which says that in, additional, in addition to the personal data provided, you also have to provide the data subject with certain information, which includes the purposes of the processing, uh, the categories of the personal data concerned, who is receiving the personal data, if possible, how long the personal data is going to be retained for, um, the existence of the right of the data subject to request uh, rectification or erasure of that personal data or to restrict its processing in certain circumstances, a right for the data subject to lodge a complaint with the ICO. And if there's any personal data that hasn't been obtained directly from the data subject um, themselves, then where that's come from. And also, if there is any automated decision making, including profiling, that is used based on the personal data provided, um, you have to give certain information about that as well. So uh, is there anything uh, exempt from a disclosure? Yes, there are in fact a number of exemptions that need to be considered before data is disclosed in response to a subject access request. Firstly, the person making the request isn't generally entitled to information which contains personal data about another person. However, there are some exceptions to that. So, for example, where the other person has given their consent to the disclosure or if it would be reasonable to comply with the request without that individual's consent. And determining what might be reasonable in the circumstances involves a delicate balancing act, taking account of numerous factors, such as the type of information that would be disclosed, whether there's any duty of confidentiality and whether attempts have been made to obtain the consent from the other person. In some cases, it might be appropriate to simply redact the confidential information of the third party so that that isn't disclosed. But the other data relating to the person making the request can still be uh, disclosed. There are also some other exemptions which might apply and which might mean that the employee is not entitled to receive the data. The main ones which are likely to be relevant in an employment context include Firstly, information which is covered by legal professional privilege, which might include things like communications between a legal advisor and the employer. Secondly, information which is used by the employer for the purpose of management forecasting or management planning. So again, in an employment context, that might cover a proposed restructuring or redundancy process. Thirdly, a reference about the employee and that includes whether it's given or received by the employer. And finally, 
any information which sets out the employer's intentions in relation to negotiations with the employee. So if, for example, disclosure about negotiations could prejudice the negotiations, then it's possible that such disclosure could be exempt. Okay, so back to the scenario that uh, where I'm the employer and I've received the uh, subject access request. What, what happens if I just choose to ignore it? Uh, well, the most obvious uh, answer and most well publicised is that that would be considered a significant breach of the GDPR. And as is sort of well known by now, um, there's some quite eye-watering fines that happen if certain provisions of the GDPR are contravened, and this is one of them. Um, and that could potentially lead theoretically up to a fine of up to seventeen and a half million pounds, or four percent of worldwide turnover, whatever's the greater figure. Obviously, if you just breach one data subject access request, it's not going to incur the maximum fine, but it will put the ICO on red alert, and they will potentially start scrutinising your other data protection practices if you do repeatedly breach your obligations in responding to subject access requests. As I mentioned earlier, there, there are actually also cases where it might be appropriate for an employer to refuse the request, so if it was manifestly unfounded or excessive. However, if there is no fair basis to refuse to comply, then as Raj just explained, it would amount to a breach of the data protection legislation. An employee could try to claim compensation if their employer fails to comply with the subject access request, provided they can show that they've suffered damage or distress as a result. Um, and another point to mention is that if the employer deletes, destroys, alters or conceals certain information with the intention of preventing the disclosure of that information to the person making the subject access request, that could actually be a criminal offence. Okay, well, thanks. Thank you very much for that. That's been a, a great whistle-stop tour of, uh, of data subject access requests. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there uh, for now. Obviously, uh, we have a number of other podcasts on uh, data privacy and, and GDPR, which uh, you can find on our website, and there'll be more, more coming up in, in the coming months. For this one, thanks to both Sinead and Raj, and I hope that you found this uh, useful. If you have any questions around this issue or indeed any other, other aspect of data privacy, employment or commercial law, please do email us. Uh, Sinead, Raj, contact details and any other members of the team can be found on our website. But thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.